Hi guys, I'm Matt Harris, host of the HMO Experience Property Podcast. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Jamie and Steve as the awesome threesome is back and we discuss the end of the road. That's right, handing back your rent-to-rent HMO property. Now, all good things come to an end, we all know that. And this episode of the HMO Experience Property Podcast is super insightful as we discuss starting with the end in mind when it comes to drafting your rent-to-rent agreements, making sure that you've got sufficient provisions in there so that you suffer the least amount of financial impact when it comes to um, moving tenants out of your rent-to-rent property so that it's vacant by the time you hand it back to the landlord, and also what happens in unforeseen circumstances when that rent-to-rent deal you took on didn't quite work out how you were expecting, and the options that are available to you have all been exhausted. And the last thing you need to do is hand the property back to the landlord. This episode is going to give you a 360 view of all the things you need to be aware of when it comes to bringing your rent to rent agreement to an end. So make sure you tune in. And before you do, head over to the hmoexperience.co.uk website and download a bunch of free resources we've got on there for you guys to help you along your HMO property journey. Also, don't forget, if you're on Clubhouse, join us at 1pm every Monday for the HMO Experience uh, Property Club Room, hosted by Jamie, Steve and I, where you can come and get all of your HMO and rent-to-rent property questions answered. And last thing, Whatever podcast platform you're listening to, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you receive regular weekly notifications, not just when new episodes of the HMO Experience Property Podcast drop, but also when the HMO Diaries are posted um, and a new feature, which is called 5-Minute Fridays, when we recap previous episodes of the HMO Experience Property Podcast in bite-sized five-minute chunks for you to digest on the go. That's all from me. Now let's head into the show. Hi guys, um, I'm Matt Harris. Welcome to the HMO Experience Property Podcast. I am here with the amazing duo, Jamie Medill and Steve Mitchell. Say hello, guys. Hi everyone. Great hello, to have guys. you here. Thanks for listening. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so look, uh, it's been a little while since uh, we've done a, um, uh, uh, an episode with the three of us. Um, and this episode, we're talking about um, giving a property back to uh, a landlord at the end of a rent-to-rent term, uh, or, <laughs> or in other circumstances where you might have to give a house back. Um, so there's, it's quite a juicy topic of discussion. Um, we're going to be covering off uh, a few points. Um, I certainly, uh, until recently, I hadn't experienced it. So now I have plenty of experience, which is good, uh, which means I can contribute well to this episode. Um, but look, uh, I'm going to hand you over to Steve, I think, to get his kicked off, uh, because I know, um, you know, we've spoken previously, uh, you've gone through uh, the cycle a few times. Um, so it'd be good to uh, get a little bit of an insight and... Um, and find out, you know, how, what your previous experience has been about handing a property back. Steve. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, obviously, when, when you're starting out, you, you never really think about um, giving a property back because we're all sort of fired up. We're all excited about mm. getting that deal. We're looking forward to the cash flow. 
um, and, and giving a property back is probably the last thing on our minds. Um, and, and for us, it, it was exactly the same. I mean, we, um, I think over the last five years, we've uh, returned is it two or three properties um, back to the landlords for various different reasons. And we'll, we'll talk about those reasons um, as we go through this uh, episode. Um, but I think that um, when, when it's evident that uh, a property isn't working for you, as in any business, uh, you've got to make some hard and fast decisions and you've got to make some decisions quickly because there's no point um, carrying on an activity if you're sort of subsidizing it out of your pocket. And, and I'll be completely open book. Um, at, at the very beginning, um, we had a, a property that, that wasn't really working. Uh, fortunately, the, the profits from the other properties were kind of offsetting uh, the losses from this one property. Um, but uh, we made a, a, a decision relatively quickly to say that there's no point carrying dead wood. Um, you have to cut that dead wood back um, in order for your business to grow. So having a process or understanding um, what, the, what actions you need to take right from the get-go, and, and from the get-go, I mean setting up the property, uh, is, is vitally important. And, and for my money, the first thing is um, in your contract. You have to have something in your contract um, that acts as a trigger that says that if this doesn't happen, uh, then this action is going to take place. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to uh, traditional sort of letting, um, uh, the letting industry, what you would normally have if you were going to have a lease is what's called um, a break clause. Mm -hmm. So you would have a period of time where you would be responsible financially um, and operationally for the uh, property. Uh, and then at some point, you would have the option either to hand the property back um, or, or to continue on or to re renegotiate in, in some way, shape or form. So making sure that you have um, a, a break clause in your contract uh, or if you don't have a break clause in your contract, then having a very defined um, what's called a termination or notice clause, i.e. this is what's going to happen uh, if I decide to uh, give the property back or this is what's going to happen if the landlord um, uh, wants the property back because it can go both ways right it's not just necessarily us saying that we want to give the property back it, it may well be that um, the landlord wants to take um, back control of the property so you have to have clearly defined um, clauses uh, in your contract and it but if you don't have those clearly defined um, clauses in your contract um, and everybody uh, in the relationship whether that's you direct to the vendor or you uh, via an agent, um, then it can get a little bit messy because no one really knows uh, the direction of travel. No one really knows what actions they have to undertake. Um, and therefore, if there's any ambiguity, then potentially um, there could be uh, some claim for either lost profits or um, void or uh, some other financial implication that either the landlord or the agent suffered. So making sure that your contract is um, properly defined for giving the property back um, it is vitally important. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quick thing to clarify, quick thing to clarify for everyone listening, we haven't used the word rent to rent yet. So... I know it's probably blindingly obvious, but because we haven't specified, I just want to make sure that what we're talking about today is not handing an HMO back that you own. It's actually rent-to-rent -rent HMO, 
or as we sometimes call it, the property money machine. So just wanted to jump in before we went on 30, 40 minutes. And then we said, oh, by the way, <laughs> this is rent to rent. So hopefully that was useful, everyone. I'm sure you absolutely got it. But just in case you didn't, this is when we're managing somebody else's house. Over to you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have jamie on board <laughs> yeah try, try, try um, and bring it all together yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly right exactly right um but but yeah i mean it, it, jamie's absolutely right obviously you, you wouldn't be we're not talking about repossession of your um of your hmo um if if you get to that stage then um i think there's sort of some some different fundamental things that's going uh wrong but but on a on a rent to rent side where you where you are um, uh, and if you don't know what rent to rent is, then I, then maybe you want to go back to the very beginning of our um, HMO Experience Property Podcast journey and find out all about rent to rent. Um, but yeah, this is where you're you're managing a property on behalf of a landlord. So, so point number one, I think for me, uh, is make sure you've got your contract right uh, within your contract. Um, I would suggest that you have uh, also some additional clauses. For example. If you think about um, the, the process of handing a property back logically, um, there's going to be, um, to my mind, um, uh, three elements to this. Mm -hmm. So the first element is the customer. The second element is income. And the third element is uh, expense or cost. So if you think about the first one, um, the customer, uh, you need to be making sure that any notices that you are going to serve on your customer um, is not uh, longer than what your notice period is in your contract. So, for example, if your contract is that you're going to give uh, two months' notice to the landlord or the landlord is going to give two months' notice to you, but currently the legislation says that it's six months, then there's going to be a four-month differential. Um, so one of two things is going to happen over that period of time. Either um, you're going to... Uh, agree with the landlord that actually the clause is um is not functional uh, and therefore you'll need to do what's called an addenda uh, in which just basically changes that part of the contract so that it comes into equilibrium um, or you're going to be bailing out after two months the customers uh will be there uh for six months so there's four months where uh, the customers are there but you're um, you're not in control. And potentially, if those customers don't pay, because the landlord can't get rid of them, the landlord may make a claim against you for any unpaid rent. So you have to make sure that um, any notice periods, either from you to the landlord or you and the agent, and on your ASTs with your customers are in sync. So mm. typically, uh, what we say in our contracts is that the landlord needs to give us six months uh, notice um, and if we wanted to bail, typically uh, prior to lockdown, it would have been two months. But subsequently, um, we've been um, uh, we've done an addenda to our contracts to say it's six months. So it covers that six month period. So so that's the first thing to mention. That's the, the customer element. The second element, which is income, is if you your landlord gives you six months notice or you give six months notice uh, to your landlord, what happens if your customers start to leave before that six-month period? So because you're coming to the end of the relationship, you can't necessarily put people back in because obviously the, the minimum uh, contract for an AST is six months. You can do it shorter by agreement, but legally it's six months and there's 
potential implications if you do bring someone in on a short term, say three months, but they decide to stay for six months. And that goes past the cutoff point in which in, uh, where you're going to hand the property back. So you need to be having a clause that says something on the lines that if someone leaves in the notice period, then you're going to retrospectively reduce the rent down by one sixth, for example, if it's a six bed HMO or one fifth, if it's a five bed or a quarter if it's a four bed, because otherwise um, your cost base is going to stay relatively the same, but your mm. income is going to be coming down and therefore you're going to potentially go into a loss period. So you need to be um, uh, figuring out that, um, uh, that focus. Now, that could be a potential objection um, from the landlord, in which case what we've done to um, circumvent that is that we've applied that um, theory only if the landlord gives us notice, because technically we want to keep the property forever and ever. So um, why would we sort of penalise ourselves? Um, but if the landlord serves notice on us, then we have a clause in there that says that our uh, rents will reduce accordingly. So that's that addresses the, the income side. And then on the cost side, um, one of the um, uh, one of the most important things again that you have to have in your contracts is that you will have set up. Um, arrangements, for example, like broadband, uh, gas, water, um, uh, electricity. And all of these might be on a longer term contract because typically you get better prices when you commit to longer term uh, agreements. So you have to have somewhere in, in your contract that basically says that if you hand the property back to the landlord or if the landlord uh, requests the property back, that any contracts that you've negotiated in good faith as being the best that you uh, the best price that you could find at that particular time will automatically pass over to the landlord. Um, because if you don't pass those contracts over, then you're potentially looking at early termination costs, which for utility companies, dependent on where you are in your contract, could be um, quite penal. Um, so... Mm in your contract just figure out when you go through that if you have to go through that handing back just think about what is the implication on the customer what is the implication on my income and what are the implications on my expense does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah snap um, that's what i said Matt. yeah exactly right <laughs> <laughs> i was furiously right. making notes thinking have i covered <laughs> all of these points in my contract um well i mean i guess a, a general point uh, so, Matt, just before you jump no, no, in, the general it. point is, like all these things, it's so much easier to address potential scenarios and issues up front, get those in agree agreement into your contracts, rather than trying to retrospectively fix a potential problem or an issue you weren't even aware of. So I know many people who listen to this podcast or watch us on YouTube have already got you know, rent-to-rent HMO properties up and running, and they might never have come across this or even thought about this before, because obviously it's not trained in this way, typically. So again, any new properties you take on board, please think about those three key areas that Steve mentioned, and then bring those into your contracts. Uh, it'll you might never ever use them, but at least you've thought about it. You've got agreement up front. You put it into your contract so that if this scenario does change and the landlord wants the property back, or you want to give the the, the property back to the landlord, then again, everyone knows where they stand. It makes it so much easier. Uh, not big, not sexy, not not a uh, you know you can you can make a thousand pounds a month off this strategy and take you a day to set up the contracts, but it's really important mm. because we want to help you like we have done all the way through. The HMO Experience Property Podcast, creating a scalable, professional uh, HMO management business if you're doing rent-to-rent. -rent. And uh, as Steve said, ideally, 
you never want to hand properties back it's working for you it's working for the landlord and hopefully of course if you're doing a good job it's working for the customers so yeah, yeah. just like jump in there with that yeah i think um uh you're right it's often you don't often think about you know the end of the term so we've just gone through um a cycle where the the first load of um rent to rents we took on are coming towards the end of their initial term uh, obviously our um our intention is to renew uh, or extend because we've got the option to do that in the contract um but you're right like you do have to plan for you know the eventuality of of handing it back because ultimately it's, it's, it's not yours. Um, and at some stage, you know, the landlord might want to do something different or, you know, things don't quite work out how you expected. So, you know, you need to, you need to call it a day earlier. So um, it's worthwhile sort of planning that out and, and also hashing it out, like you say, right at the start of um, the negotiation. What I think I found is that um, certainly when we have taken properties on, very little attention is paid by certainly by agents and you know I'm, I'm the ones that we've been dealing with um and maybe a little bit less even by landlords about the end of the agreement they're more interested in when will it start how long will it be for and what rent am i getting um so it it does pay to be sort of super clear about you know what the um what the end process looks like um and in an ideal world, all those steps are followed. You know, whatever is in the contract is is mm. what ends up being um, uh, being pursued. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't quite work out like that. Um, you know, and uh, and things are um, overlooked <laughs> or or um, uh, yeah, or just or just ignored. Um, and then you start entering into sort of contentious fields, um, yeah. you know, where, oh, you're in breach and you're not complying with this and that. And that that's the sort of thing that you want to avoid. So being super clear about the steps that you need to take um, on exit uh, is is a very important part. And I'm going to be reviewing our contracts after this based on this conversation now, just to make yeah. sure that we've got all bases covered. Yes. Need to cover you know, those bases. Exactly. And, and it's one of those things, and it's all very well and good us sharing this stuff. And but we didn't know this at the beginning. Uh, we knew some of it. We 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 thought and planned some of these scenarios, but not all of them. So it's only because we've been doing this for this is our seventh year now, so it started properly in 2014, um, that you learn from experience. And Matt, you've only been doing this you know a short while successfully, mm. but you've been doing it a short while. So again, it's it's good that we can share some of this stuff. And we won't have everything covered. But we'll have probably 99% of things covered now because we're going through these scenarios and the situation, the economy, the market all changes. Different landlords have different scenarios. And we're going to give some examples of, uh, you know, for all of us about uh, properties we have handed back on occasion from regards from to, to rent to rent now. Yeah. In fact, should we do that now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Oops. Okay. So um, let's start off with, uh, with one yeah. of our early ones in Bedford. Yeah. So... Um... Uh, just just as a follow-on point, um, just something else um, for, for people to be mindful of. Um, again, this is another um, um, uh, clause that you might want to consider putting into your contract is um, obviously when we, we take on a, a, a rent-to-rent, 
uh, ideally, uh, we, we want to take it on on a vacant um, possession uh, and and have all of the uh, landlord's stuff cleared out in an ideal world, unless you're uh, unless it's half decent and you can use that. But you need to be specifying um, in your opening inventory. So that's when you physically take on the on the property. What is yours and what is the landlord's? So the, obviously, um, if, if, for example, you put all the hard furniture in, but there's uh, fridges, freezers, washing machines, tumble dryers, dishwashers, that's already in there when you take that property on, that needs to be specified in the inventory, which your uh, contract should refer to so that there's no ambiguity um, as to uh, who owns what. Uh, and the second point I would make, particularly on furniture, is that if you go and buy a whole ton of furniture or more importantly lease the furniture um, you need to be specifying in your contract what happens to the furniture um, when that uh, agreement comes to an end so typically for us um, our initial agreements are for 36 months three years and then we do uh, contract renewals uh, and what we tend to do is if we're not leasing if we bought property we will amortize that um, uh, furniture over three years so that means at the end of three years, it, it doesn't owe us anything. Um, so therefore, if the agreement comes to an end at that three-year period, you can do one or two things. You can either specify that you're going to take the furniture out, um, or you can specify that actually, if the landlord wants the property back at that point, then you'll gift him um, though, uh, that furniture. Because at the end of the day, uh, what are you going to do with three-year-old furniture? Um, mm. I, I, it's, it's probably coming to the end of its useful life it, it, have you got other properties that you could put it into so just be mindful as to what you're going to do with that furniture if you buy it now if you lease it that's completely different because you don't own the furniture until the end of the lease period which is which may be 36 months so if you're giving up a property after two years and there's a clause in the contract that basically says that you're going to hand the furniture over to the property in reality, what you've just done is, is given the asset away, but you've still got the financial liability to pay for it for the next 12 months. So again, um, depending on how you acquire your hard assets, your furniture, and, and um, we've got an exciting um, interview that Jamie's done uh, with a leasing provider coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So um, by uh, make sure that you refer back to that um, that interview to understand all the uh, implications of leasing. So uh, I, I'd thoroughly recommend. But but what you don't want to be doing is giving up your asset and still paying for it. So that's all I'm going to say on that bit. Um, on to a case study. Um, uh, case study. So we had a, a property um, in Bedford called uh, Clarendon Street. It was a five-bed uh, HMO. Uh, it was handed to us by our great agent friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were so excited about it. We, uh, we, uh, we uh, leased, no, we bought furniture uh, for it. Um, it was uh, two bedrooms on the ground floor, three bedrooms on the top floor, uh, had a, a, an amazing um, sort of shower, amazing kitchen, really great. Uh, right by Bedford um, uh, Modern School, so great area, or so we thought. There's a little twist coming up. Um, <laughs> and um, nice outside space. So so we get um, customer number one in, a um, uh, young lady, uh, can't remember her name, um, but she moved in. Then another young lady moved in, 
then a young man moved in, um, which is a completely different story, which I'm not going to go into in this uh, episode. <laughs> young um, man. <laughs> young man, yeah. Um, but e- everything, was, everything was going swimmingly. Um, then we started to get some uh, calls from the two young ladies that had moved in saying, um, why are there people queuing outside the house and around the corner? <laughs> and I, I thought, I have no idea. And they're obviously not contacting me to, to rent the final two rooms. So um, they're not obviously, they're not obviously there, there for us. I'm looking that well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like queuing down the street to get into our amazing rooms. Um, so I thought, hmm, uh, not come across this before. So let's uh, check it out. Lo and behold, uh, across the street, um, there was a halfway house for um, uh, dr- uh, people who are on drug rehabilitation and uh alcohol dependency and, and what they were doing at um sort of uh half past five six o'clock at night uh was starting to queue up for the property on the other side of the road for a bed for the night okay um so this is in a really good area um and uh, and obviously as we um started to get towards because uh, i think we took the property on in the september so relatively uh, relatively sort of early um, uh, uh, light evenings, but as we started to go towards winter, it started to get darker and darker and darker. And as as the um, uh, customers were walking home, they just didn't feel comfortable walking past um, this uh, growing line of um, uh, of people who were in search of a bed for night. Now, I'm not knocking at what they're doing at all and i think um uh, organizations that, that um, provide that service to people in need uh, is amazing um unfortunately for us uh, our customers had a different view and then when you started to find uh, hypodermic syringes in the garden the next morning and and um uh, foster's cans sort of like uh, being tipped over the fence uh, it got to the point where trying to sort of um, market these rooms um, became very difficult. And, and we sort of stuck at three rooms filled in a five bed room. Uh, and we um, started to um, uh, suffer uh, losses, albeit sort of minor at that point. Again, I'm not going to go into the, the full story of, of this property on, on this episode. Um, but ultimately, we lost 19 grand on that property over a period of time. So um, the, the lesson that we learned there was that uh, when you do your gold mine area due diligence, it's all very well looking at it at a high level, making sure that you've got the right amenities and travel to work and um, st- uh, the distance to stations, but that's all fine. But what about the due diligence on the properties immediately on your doorstep? What is uh, right across the street? What is in the next street over? Is there anything that could potentially impact your ability to sell or market your rooms? Um, and uh, if I had just done a little bit more due diligence on that particular street, I would have seen that there is a council um, website that details the activities of that property right, literally right across the street from us. So um, when you're looking to take on properties, just check what is in the immediate vicinity uh, to make sure there's nothing that will derail you. Um, so, yeah, that's the lesson learned on that one. And, and uh, let's put some context behind this. So this is, you know, uh, our third ever rent-to-rent property. So Steve and I were very naive, got the first one, woo-hoo, all very exciting. 
then started working with Jane, local letting agent. She gave us our second one. Woohoo, that's great. We got a bit better, a bit faster, a bit more money on the second one because we, we were a bit more experienced. This was the third property. And um, it, again, it didn't work out. But uh, it, it's because you don't know what you don't know. And now when looking at any property going forward, at least we've got that in the back of our minds. And a quick you know, five, 10 minute walk around the area and maybe a quick bit of research online, you can find some of these potential issues. And you're probably not ever going to have these things, but it's good that you've checked it out just in case, because you would hate to be, this is obviously rent to rent. You'd hate to be in the position where you've committed time, effort, money, resources to get the property up and running like we did, uh, and then it not working out for you. This is a cash flow generating strategy, not a cash losing strategy. So uh, so yeah, that was a great example. Thank you, uh, Steve, for that. How about you, Matt? What, uh, what fun and games have you been up to with handling um, problems back? So... Uh, we have had um, one very quick handback, um, which really didn't follow any um, prescribed um, uh, uh, agreement. Um, so unfortunately, we took on uh, a property um, which uh, on the outside looked pretty good, five beds, four baths, you know, a couple of them were on suites really big living space. Um, we had a bunch of interns in there and um, and they're in there for four or five months. And it was during that time that we found out a lot about the, um, the makeup of the property and, and quite a lot of the defects that it had. Um, some of those, you know, we spoke to the landlord about um, uh, and he was relatively slow in kind of rectifying anything. We had to get pest control in. We had to, you know, order extra bins and we had to do this and that. And it had gas and electric meter, which I, I completely just had a blind spot about. Um, but, you know, having to go and to top that up is weekly or every couple of weeks and monitoring how much is just a, it's a bit of pain. Um but yeah, the although everything um, started relatively well, um, you know, with uh, the circumstances that happened um, during lockdown, we had our um, intern contract was suspended because they weren't sending in more people because, you know, borders were shut and quarantine and all that kind of stuff. Um, and because the market wasn't that active at, at that time, um, what I then did was go back to the landlord and, you know, was fully transparent and said, look, this is, this is the situation that we're in. Um, you know, what can we, this is what I propose to kind of deal with um, the interim period. Um, what do you think? And he was like, um, no, I'll just take it back. I thought, oh, okay. I wasn't quite expecting that. Um, so really within uh, so, you know, we continued having conversations and he spoke with his solicitor and initially he threatened to go legal. And I was like, look, what you've agreed to take it back. So let's just work out what that process looks like. Um, uh, you know, we ended up um, losing our deposit quite right because we were um, only sort of six or seven months into like a, a three year term. Um, and... Uh, you know, we spent a couple of days sort of clearing out the um, clearing out the property, making sure that it was handed back in um, uh, in a similar condition to, as it was when we took it over. Um, 
sent pictures over, you know, went through all of um, the checkout process and literally had a couple of email exchanges with the landlord and said, look, um, you know, here's the property as we left it. There's a couple of extra bits in there. Like we had an extra fridge that went in there um, and some, you know, uh, kitchen appliances like microwave and cutlery and crockery and all that kind of stuff. Um, but overall, it was um, definitely in a better sort of setup than it was when we took it on. Um, and to be fair, like the landlord on reflection was super reasonable about it because, you know, he could have just said, no, you've, you know, signed up for this long. Um, I'm going to hold you to it or I'm going to make it difficult um, for you. But I think the fact that I was just um, honest with him up front, um, we kind of uh, managed to bridge that um, gap quite nicely and, and not end up in a position where uh, things got contentious. Um, but yeah, I mean, none of that, you know, the that process wasn't, um, as it happened, wasn't documented within the contract. It was, yeah. you know, you deal with a, a commercial situation and he was a commercial guy, you know, he had commercial properties as well as um, other HMOs as well as, um, you know, a resi portfolio. So he just wanted things done quick. So, you know, we kind of complied with that. The upshot was, yeah, we had to, well, the good thing was with the meters because, you know, we were on a payment meter. We didn't have um, a utility contract cancelled, so that was a bonus. Um, the only thing we had to um, terminate early was the broadband service of the property, um, uh, you know, which cost a couple hundred pounds. Um, but to be perfectly honest, you know, to have, to not have that sort of the ongoing liability hanging over is when there was uncertainty, especially after we had, you know, an arrangement in place, which would have taken us through a good 12, 18, 24 months ish, you know, had, had we not gone through what we went through, um, you know, the fact that we managed to, we managed to then move um, the property on back to the landlord quite quickly was, um, was a bit of a blessing to be perfectly honest. Um, now, counter that with another experience that um, uh, we're having at the moment where <clears throat> uh, the landlord is getting contentious, um, you know, all throughout, uh, and I'm trying not to mention lockdown too much, but with everything that has happened, that's how these circumstances came about for right. us. Um, you know, all throughout lockdown, completely transparent with all landlords saying, look, um, there might be an impact with regards to the rent. Thankfully, all throughout 2020, no impact. Um, but as we went into lockdown the third, th third time, there was quite a significant impact. So, you know, with some of our landlords, we put forward a, a payment proposal and the majority of them accepted, which was great. And this one landlord didn't, um, you know, when we contacted her in 2020, she was, um, you know, her immediate response was, I'll speak with my solicitor. I'm like, well, what, why even go to that point when I'm just giving you a heads up about, you know, the situation? Mm. I've not even said we won't be able to pay any rent. I'm just saying yeah. that's a, that eventuality might happen at some stage for the forthcoming months if this lockdown, you know, carries on indefinitely. Um, but yeah, at the third time of asking um she did and we had a back and forth and and they ended up coming down to um the contract and um and there were a, a couple of provisions in there which she 
which we're claiming she hasn't complied with. Um, uh, and, um, you know, because she didn't accept uh, or she wasn't prepared to even have a conversation about um, a, an alternative payment arrangement, um, her first response was, well, if you want to terminate early, like I'm fully open to it. So I seized on that and said, great, happy to terminate early. You know, here's a month's notice in accordance with the contract. That's it. Um, then she rescinded that and said, well, actually, no, I don't agree to you terminating early. I was like, okay, fine. Um, here's an alternative uh, payment proposal. And I, I said, well, that's pretty much the same to what I proposed to you right at the start, which you said no to. So yeah, yeah. What, why are you now agreeing to it? Or why are you now, you know, putting this forward as a counter proposal? Anyway, I went back through the um, contract. And like I said, there were a couple of um, provisions in there that she um, hadn't been complying with, um, which we'd flagged to her on a handful of occasions. Um, but given the nature of the discussions and how they went, um, I said, look, you're, you know, you're in breach. And as you are in breach and we're the injured party, like we're, we have... Um, you know, options available to us. One of those is to terminate the contract. Mm. So that's that's the route we went down. Um, you know, gave her sufficient notice, said, look, everything up until the end of the notice period will be paid. And then at that stage, you know, vacant possession, keys will be handed back. Like, there you go. Um, we only had, uh, I think, five or six, where are we now? six months left on the contract in any case. Um, now... <clears throat> I'm hedging a bet that she is going to continue um, arguing the case with her solicitors. So I'll be interested to see how this um, evolves. But for our part, like, you know, I'm relatively comfortable in the position that we're in, that she was in breach, which enabled us to, to terminate. And, you know, we'll go through the same process. It, the property will be vacated. So we're moving a load of tenants into, um, into another property. Um, you know, we'll make sure that it's handed back clean and tidy we'll make sure that um uh you know all of the um, items that were listed in the original inventory when we took on the property are there there's probably going to be even a couple of bonus items like a tumble dryer and a new fridge and those kinds of things um uh, or, or yeah <laughs> But yeah, so that's that. Those are two very recent um, experiences, which I, I hadn't really expected to go through. Um, but I'm mm. I'm quite glad now that um, you know a, we've done one and we're in the process of another one because you know going forward it will better prepare me. And like I said, I mentioned when Steve was going through the contract points, I was like, oh, let me just double check we've got those in our um, all of those in our agreement. You know, it better prepares you for um, for the next property you take on, and if you have to, you know, cross this bridge again. So, um, yeah. as much as it wasn't a comfortable experience, it, given the circumstances, it's right if you know you come to the end of the term or the landlord terminates. You know, the context of that conversation is is a lot different to, yes, you know, having external factors um, uh, causing you to implement. A termination or, or ending your contract early yeah. and handing a property back. Yeah, it's never a nice situation to be in. Nobody wants that to happen. You didn't have the intention when you took on the property first of all, and were all best buddies with the landlord or the letting agency shaking hands, saying, That's, yeah, yeah. You know, you, no one expected that. But at least, you know, 
you've got some ideas. We and hopefully everyone listening has got some ideas how to protect themselves and their landlords going forward uh, for all your new properties. Just whatever you do, get it in writing. I think that's the key thing. Yeah, it's, sure. it's funny you mentioned that, Matt, because I was speaking to uh, a guy on uh, in a clubhouse room this morning who has over twenty uh, rent to rent HMO properties in West London. Been doing it for a couple of years. Really good business. But the last 12 months is really, really hurting him, especially now with cash flow. Mm. And he wants to give them all back. So oh, wow. I identified very quickly that his contracts aren't very robust. And he just wants to hand the keys back and, and, and run away. So I mm. gave him a couple of pointers and hopefully this will help or maybe give maybe spark some thought for others who might be listening to this, worrying about what you could do with rent to rent HMO or indeed, you know, you're struggling right now with it. What else you could do rather than just hand the keys back? And I gave them you know, three quick um, ideas. One idea that we've spoken about many times in, in our HMO Spirit Body podcast um, over the last 12 months is how can you change your offering? So rent to rent, as you all know, for those who haven't known, is you're, you're taking control of somebody else's house. You're renting out the rooms and you're giving a guaranteed rent to the landlord or the, or the letting agent who actually you know, uh, got you the property. And you make a profit, which is the difference between your income that you bring in, gross income, minus your costs, including bills, et cetera. Um, so that, that's the sort of standard traditional rent to rent HMO model. And I gave this guy this morning a couple of other tips. Why do you go back to say, because of market conditions changes uh, for whatever those whatever those causes are, um, how about doing a joint venture or a profit share approach? So let's just assume the property is making um, three thousand pounds a month profit in good times, then there might be some rooms uh, available or you can't rent them for whatever reason. And the profit goes, the gross income goes down to two and a half thousand pounds a month. If your fixed costs are 1,500 quid a month, why not offer to share the the landlord, you know, a percentage, maybe 50-50 of the cream on the top, the profit. So at least they're getting something that mm. you're not being adversely affected, neither are they too much, but you're you're being very transparent. You're showing them the costs uh, and the income, and then you're just sharing that. That might be one option. Second option I talked about uh, was, it also turned out that his advertising and marketing wasn't very good. He was only reliant on spare room and wasn't very pr- proactive either on spare room. So I gave him a whole bunch of other marketing tips too to try and get the rooms filled because he might not have to give the keys back if of course the rooms are full and he's making an income and we talked about going to local employers going to you know local contractors going to building sites looking at the sort of contractor market who might be coming out of uh, area or sort of into the area from outside who needs somewhere to say we, we talked about things like that and other other websites like facebook marketplace and gumtree and others and then the third option was and again the three of us have talked about this quite a lot on previous episodes so if you haven't uh, if you're listening to this episode for the first time and you haven't come across it yet go back through the last couple of months we've talked about hmo management so slightly different from obviously rent to rent, guaranteed rent, but actually offering an HMO management service where you're charging a variety of fees for different tasks that you do to manage somebody else's house. And a landlord might be open to that as an option too. So don't just feel if you're in this situation right now where you're potentially struggling, you're, you're for whatever reason, you're not making the money you thought or you can't get your rooms filled. Don't just naturally think, right, I'm going to hand the property back. There might be some other options you can do too. So, uh, yeah, again, hopefully that helps. What, what, what about uh, what, what uh, thoughts have you guys got on, on some of those uh, alternative solutions? I think from, from my perspective, um, yeah, the, the, obviously the, the, they are all um, valid um, uh, options to pursue. But, but one of the things I would say is if you are changing the terms of business that you're engaging with your client, then you need to ensure that you're 
contract is um, uh, reflects what the new arrangement um, you're going to have. So, for example, sure. if you are going to go from a, um, uh, a guaranteed rent situation uh, whereby you are responsible for uh, or the income is yours and uh, you pay the landlord your uh, guaranteed fee, uh, but you bear all the costs and therefore make your profit, that is going to be a totally different contract to if you're going to take on uh, a management service where you're either charging a, uh, a management fee um, or you're taking a percentage of the uh, of the gross or net rentals, depending depend on uh, how you um, contract. So if you just change the, the way you do business, then then make sure that that's uh, reflected in in your contract uh, arrangements. Because if you start to go onto a management um, basis. Um, and uh, you send your first bill in, for example, uh, either the landlord will pay it or they won't pay it. And if they don't pay it, then the um, uh, the, the current arrangement or the old arrangement, let's say, uh, that you have with them, uh, you've got no no leg to stand on. So you might be supplying services um, free of charge. So just be mindful if you're going to switch uh, any elements of your um, uh, business relationship, then that's reflected in a either an addenda or or ideally a brand new agreement that uh, that you have going forward. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. I think, I think um, it, it is always worthwhile just, you know, we spoke about this at, at length in 2020. Um, definitely looking at what the options are available before just thinking, ah, let me just sack it off. Because, you know, the aim of the game is to sort of build long-term relationships, right? I know, I know my examples haven't necessarily um, uh, backed this up, but we did put forward alternative suggestions, which were, yeah. for whatever reason, dismissed, rather than just chucking in the towel. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, especially sort of putting them forward in, in good faith as well, like we've been completely transparent we've shown people the numbers like look this is what was happening before this is what's happening now can you see how like there was just this massive difference that you know we're just not able to to sustain within the business yeah. because you know we spent the last 12 months ensuring that you've been isolated from this um uh because you'll be surprised like you know the there's one landlord in particular that springs to mind you know, we had a back and forth on email. We had a, um, a couple of um, really lengthy telephone conversations as well. And he was like, look, Matt, like I appreciate you, A, just being completely open and honest. Um, you have to understand that, you know, I need to protect my position as, as a landlord. Like mm. I need to make income from this property. So although you're putting forward um, different proposals, you know, they don't necessarily work for me because I've got a minimum income level that I need to hit, which what you're suggesting isn't, isn't going to guarantee. Um, so, yeah. you know, that being said, I don't want to burn any bridges. You know, if we can, if we can come to an agreement whereby, um, you know, you can vacate and just give me the property back, then that's cool. And like that, you know, that type of uh, conversation was music to my ears really because you know we went through all the different options that were on the table um they didn't work for the landlord so you know ultimately the decision was made well if none of these work then like the only other option is to 
to give the property back. So this is a, a separate property, not the two examples that I've given. This is ongoing conversation. Um, uh, but yeah, the fact that, you know, you need to show a little bit of flexibility and also, um, uh, you know, being adaptable to the situation and putting forward different ideas. Because, you know, when the landlord entered into a relationship with you, it was in good faith on the basis that you were able to deliver what, you know, what was set out at the outset, you're not able, you may not be able to do that right now, or, you know, circumstances have changed. So, um, you know, what are the other options uh, that the yeah. landlord may not be thinking about? Um, yeah. You know, we discussed universal credit, we discussed just getting um, a single family in there, we discussed, um, uh, uh, what else did we discuss? Oh, he, um, he's been speaking with a couple of um, uh, other sort of social housing providers, which weren't going to give him the level of rent that we were paying pre-lockdown, um, but we're going to give him significantly more than what we were able to offer on a repayment plan. So, um, you know, I spitballed all those ideas with him because it gave me food for thought as well and thinking, oh, actually, a couple of these options I haven't thought of myself. So maybe, yeah. you know, if and when we do need to have another conversation with someone else, then you know, there's a couple of other things I can throw into the fire um, to be considered before, you know, reaching the the final hurdle, which is just giving out the keys. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the best way of doing it. I mean, this is a business, right? Not all businesses work well. Um, not all scenarios or relationships will work well. Um, we we're, we're all do this from a position of hoping it's going to work well, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Sometimes it's also not in our control. The external events can impact us and our business or individual houses. So I think what you did, you've done, Matt, is brilliant because you know at least you've given them some options that you can talk it through. And some will say, yes, that's brilliant. Let's go for option number one, for example, or number two. And others mm. will go, no, none of those work for me. But at least you've had that conversation. Because I think rent-to-rent -rent HMOs had a really bad reputation with many people over the years who have literally not dealt with their agents or landlords with the same level of respect. And they've actually just literally done a run or handed the keys back and gone. Um, even if money's owed, for example, they've disappeared. And you can Google all the crooks out there on Google who have actually done things like this in the past. So, you know, we talk all the way through with all of our podcast episodes, all of our training. It's about being professional. Uh, it's about doing it right. It's about differentiating yourself from other people who might not have done it well or right in the past. Um, so you don't get tarred in the same brush. And I think we've done that. Matt is brilliant. I think you've probably protected more relationships than otherwise with, with you know, the current situation you've gone through. So I yeah. think that's cool. So excellent. Is there anything else to, to add, gents? Sorry, is there anything else to add? Or we, have we sort of come to the end of, of this episode? I think um, just a, a, a couple of points from me. Um, again, sort of drawing on not, uh, life lessons. Um, my my view on contracts is that they're uh, a, a necessary um, uh, evil, uh, if if I can use that word. And what do I mean by that? A contract is a document that you only refer to if if the communication is broken down. Because in an ideal world, you can uh, have a constructive conversation, as as Matt has sort of outlined, uh, and come to some agreement, which may not necessarily be outlined in the contract because it works for both parties. So the contract is almost like the uh, the the, the um, final go to place when um, when you can't agree on what's going to 
happen. So, so that then um, predicates that um, you've got to have open communication and integrity uh, with your landlords and also your customers as well. Because at the end of the day, if you're having to give a house back, there's nothing worse than not knowing if you're going to be if your home is going to be sort of um, I'll use the word sort of taken away from this. They so make sure that you uh, constantly communicate with your your customer base as well um, if they're going to be. Uh, implicated and then the final uh, point that I'd like to make is that if you have to hand a property back it's not a badge of shame in in any way shape or form Um, businesses will expand and contract over the period of time and and therefore if you if you look at someone like Apple and and the reason I raise Apple is I was watching the film uh, Steve Jobs over the weekend Um, Apple went from um, a virtually a standing start to this amazing company um, and then went back to almost obscurity again before they then come back and bounced and and business will business will expand and contract dependent on um, where where we are with the economy what happens with legislation um, what happens with um, uh, customer demand uh, and, and local environment so so the fact if you come to a decision that you're holding on to a property just because you think it's a badge of honor then you're going to be doing yourself more financial damage uh, your, your reputation might be held because obviously you're paying someone else's mortgage and, and keeping the landlord in um, uh, and the agent in the manner that they become accustomed to. But if you're not getting something out of it yourself, then then why subsidize someone else's living? And therefore, holding on to a property is not a badge of honor. In fact, the smart move and the smart commercial decision is if a property is not working for you, make that call, explore the options. But if all the options go to a dead end, make that call and get pre- get ready to hand the property back. It, it's no bad thing. And you will probably learn and grow from it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I certainly have. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great point. It's a great point, Stephen. And uh, there's two women in our mastermind right now who, before they joined, they they joined us with five uh, rent-to-rent HMOs in London. Uh, the first one they got on board, you know, went well initially. They hadn't really looked at their individual finances, for example. All the money, all the rent was coming into one pot uh, or the expenses were going out of one pot and actually because they didn't necessarily look or understand how to look at their finances and the performance of each individual renter and HMO uh, that, that exact same thing happened the, the the well the good performing ones the profitable one, profitable ones get my teeth in um were, were actually masking the loss from property number one so when we helped them do that again they cut they gave the options to the landlord uh, and they they can't uh, cut their losses in effect and handle that property back in the right way, uh, as we've all discovered uh, and talked about here. But yeah, it's absolutely right. There's no point keeping a, a loss making property just for good faith or because you don't know any better. It's it's much better longer term to to focus on what you can do, what you can, what does bring you money, uh, and expand that way. Because of course we want to we want to be around here for the long term. This mm. is not just, uh, you know, we, we gave it a go and then we, we gave up. Uh, so there's always opportunities out there. So just thought I'd show that too. Yeah, cool. Wow, we've covered off quite a bit. That was, it was almost yeah, like being on the couch. Yeah. It was like being on the couch yeah. for me. <laughs> How do you feel, man? Do you feel better? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Look, I, I think, um, I guess, uh, just, to, um, um, just to wrap it up, obviously, main points is, start with the end in mind. So make sure that you've got a good, um, you know, exit process provisioned in your, um, in your rent to rent contract. Um, that is super important. Uh, also, you know, based on my um, own experience, if 
if you're having to hand uh, a property back because of you know circumstances not having worked out then make sure that you're um a upfront and honest with the landlord and, and also sort of propose a, a, a bunch of options that that may be available which um you know the landlord may be open to uh before you have to um you know go down the route of handing um handing the property back and and also as you know um steve and uh backed up by jamie just said as well like it's it's no bad thing handing something back like you know, you expand and contract as a business from time to time, but, um, you know, it's important that um, you take the lessons so that you're better prepared for the next time. So um, hopefully this, um, uh, this episode has been uh, of some significant value, especially, you know, bearing in mind uh, the times that have happened previously. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's just part of the business cycle, isn't it? It's just how it happens. Yep. So don't worry about it. It's all right. Take it from me. It's okay. <laughs> Have we got anything to, else to add? Okay, so wait, hold on. So um, uh, because we haven't been together for a while, um, as you, uh, you know, for the long-term listeners, you will be aware that we have um, uh, normally one of two endings to the show. We either have um, hashtag JLC, Jamie's last comment, or we have Steve's final word. Now, what I would like to do is open it up to a poll to see what who's going to do what. <laughs> I'm quite oh. happy. I'm quite happy to pass on this one because I've already given three final bits. So uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's over to dry. you, Jamie. It's over to you for Jamie's last comment. No problem. No problem. JLC. Here we go. Uh, a bit a bit rusty. We haven't done this for a while. So here we go. So JLC. Uh, whatever you do. Try and plan for the worst case scenario with your contract up front with the hope that you probably won't ever use them. But if you do need to use them, at least it's in writing. There we go. Boom. Done. Nice one, guys. Look, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Make sure you listen to uh, next week's episode as well. Um, Rent to Rent, doing it right. Um, Until then, guys, have a great week and we will um, fill your ears on the next show. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the HMO Experience Property Podcast. Before you head off, I'd like to ask you to do three things. The first thing is make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to so that you receive weekly notifications, not just when new episodes of the HMO Experience Property Podcast drop, but also when bonus features such as the HMO Diaries recorded live on our Facebook page every Monday at 5 p.m., Uh, And also 5-Minute Fridays, which is a new bite-sized feature of previous episodes of the HMO Experience Property Podcast to give you a little recap, which you can listen to on the go. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. The second thing is, if you're on Clubhouse, make sure you join us Mondays at 1 p.m. in the HMO Experience Property Club Room, hosted by Jamie, Steve, and I, where we answer all your questions around HMO property investing, rent to rent, and general trends in the property market. And the last thing is head over to the hmoexperience.co.uk website and download a bunch of free resources, including the 11 steps to starting and scaling your own successful HMO property business. 
and you can sign up to um, the um, uh, the handy HMO guide, which is our weekly newsletter, drops directly into your email inbox every Monday. That's it for now, guys. See you next week.